What does that sound, you ask? Welcome to the Rec Show Podcast, a show dedicated to beat makers around the world. Kick back, relax with the host, Golden Mind.
Today, I'm gonna show you guys how I make a beat. Totally different from how you make a beat. All right, this is my sample right here in the clip. Chop it up. Check, check, one, two, peace and love, everybody. Go to mine here for the Rec Show podcast. Happy to be with y'all again, man. Excited. It's December, man. We got less than, you know what I mean? What's that? 10 days? Less than 10 days or, you know, something like that by the time this episode comes out. So um, for Christmas and then New Year. So 2023 is about to come to a close. Hope everybody's excited, chilling with the loved ones and everything like that. But then also, check it out, man. We still have um, the season four open registration happening right now for the Rec Show podcast, man. So if you are a beat maker, music producer, or composer, and you know what I mean, you just want to, you know, be on the podcast and you got something to actually say, you got a journey, you got to get your story out, yo, hit the link in the link tree, put your information in there, man. Invites are going to go out before the end of the year. And then the second thing is we have our annual instrumental album slash beat tape of 2023 episode that's going to air, um, I think, the 30th or the 31st, right before the new year, man. So if you got a beat tape or instrumental album that you came out with in 2023 or that you've heard in 2023, please put that in the link. There's a link for that in the link tree as well. So go ahead do that but yo enough about that let's get to our guest man we got a, a fellow atxian man uh atx in the asses that's austin texas i'm in, in san it. antonio you know what i mean we in it yo so um man i've been watching this gentleman for man i want to say five years now man i've been a fan of his music ever since man, he that's came crazy. Out with the h-e-b h-e beats tape <laughs> so I've been how to represent the HEV, bro. I got your own. You already. That HEV tape was crazy. I was in Japan, like, yo, he came out with an HEV tape. So, um, yeah, man, I was excited for that. So I was like, yo, as soon as I started the podcast, I was like, yo, I gotta have my guy on. I actually got the men uh, meet him on a couple of um, pressing matters and uh, rather unique. Actually, connected us, man, on some live sets. Man, so, yo, man, we got a, first of all, he's a beat maker, a hip-hop beat maker, a synthesis, like, he does oh, some crazy stuff with synths, um, he's on the 404, he's on Akai MPC, doing his thing, he's a live drummer, he's a live performer, um, he's also done some shows put together by, like, Blue Lab Beats, uh, Shigeto, DJ, um, my, I keep messing up his name, but, my favorite, one of my favorite groups from De La Soul. Um, he's performed with the, he's performed with the, the Alcoholics, performed with Cloud Chord, Astro Mega, Boom Baptist is one of my favorite beat makers as well. Man, he's yo, 
He's been, he's been pouring with me. I've been on a live call with this gentleman as well. So, yo, man, without further ado, let's give it up for the one and only Flo Bama. Flo Bama, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm going to put that on there, What's yo. Up, man? Hey, he brought What's... out the list. He brought out the, he brought out the resume, bro. Listen, man, and that's not even half of the stuff that you you've done, man. Like, you know, what I mean, you got uh, you you are like a instructor, man. You teaching people how to craft beats and how to perform live on the the you know the SPs and you know, man, just yo, what you do is amazing, man. So thank right, you thank again you, for being on the show, man. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's the last few weeks of the year, and I decided to take. Uh, I normally I work. Uh, pretty, pretty big hour. I wouldn't say long hours, but like early hours. I, I work in ed, in uh, um, elementary schools here in Austin. But um, yeah, I decided to take these last few weeks of the year to uh, work on beats strictly, and uh, it's been laid back. It's been productive, and I've been having a good time. Nice man, yo. So another educator. Look at this man. I'm a, oh. we on a roll right now, man. Another educator. You um philip drummond uh filthy filthy drummond we got uh dj yep. basta we got yo man i think that's that's so crazy i think that's the the direction that this podcast is kind of going like people that's actually educating but then oh man we're gonna talk about that in a little bit but yeah for sure, man, for sure. but man I, okay so you, i know you're looking forward to you know the christmas break coming up being yeah, an educator absolutely. you know what i yep. mean yeah, man. So, listen, I gotta ask you this, cause uh, you know, I met you a couple times. We never like really got in depth to like your story and stuff like that. So this is my time to geek out with you and ask you these questions that I've been building up um, okay. over the last over the last years. So, all right, how'd you come up with the name Flow Bama? Yeah. All right. So um, I had a roommate back in college. Uh, I went to I went to UT for film school way back in uh, 2010 is when I started at UT. And I was already making beats at that point. Um, I was going by my previous name, which was the young master Wakizashi at the time. Actually, no, I had multiple. I had multiple names. Young master Wakizashi was a was a producer slash rapper alias that I used with my group Hermit Kingdom, which we can like go into that in a second if you want to. But um, mm -hmm. at that time I was actually going as DJ Jules. That was my original producer name. And I, was, I wasn't I was quite making hip hop beats yet. I was trying to get more into like uh, dan like underground dancey, like bass music, bass heavy, uh, dubstep inspired type of stuff. Um, anyway, I had this roommate, his name was Thad. He was this tall, like seven foot, tall white dude uh classic classic uh fraternity jock bro but he was like a super at the same time he was like super chill and stoner vibes he was he was a he was one of the good fraternity dudes if you know what i mean mm -hmm. so he was my roommate at the time and whenever i was making beats and i had a banger going on he would walk by my roommate just going barack flow bama wow and he called me that and i just uh i, I thought that nickname was so funny that eventually when I found years after that point, when I found found time that it was time to give myself a producer name that reflected myself a little bit more. I just thought back on what the funniest twists of my name have been. 
Um, if you didn't know, my real name is Florian. So like, uh, I get a lot of nicknames off of like flow, flow, Beezy, flow, Bizzle, uh, flow, Rida, whatever. People call me different things based on flow, but flow Bama was always the one that made me laugh the most. So I ended up just picking that as my producer name. And, uh, ever since I did that, I started, uh, introducing my work as flow Bama and people just always have a really great reaction to the name. So, um, I think it was a good choice and, uh, yeah, that's how it came about. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's a good choice like that. Yo, that name is what got me to actually check out your music. I was just scrolling through Bandcamp, man. I'm like, Flo Bama, who the heck is that? That's what so, I'm saying. It's all branding, brother. <laughs> <laughs> branding. Man, so I was like, yo, let me check out this guy, man. That name is crazy, man. So now we got the story, the internets. Now you get the story. About it's how you came up with Flo Bama, man. It's out shout there, out, man. shout out, my former roommate Thad, bro. I have not seen him since then. It's been literally like over a decade. But if Thad ever hears this, that's that's who uh, that's who came up with the moniker, bro. That's yo, who it's based on. Shout out to Thad, yo, putting you up, putting you on Thaddeus. your producer name. Yes, man. sir. And then and then you also, man. I, okay, I'm I'm gonna just go where the conversation is going, man. So you also um hosted a something called beats and raps where you know real little quick flips of uh mcs rapping while you're doing live finger drumming um with the likes of like cyclops right so if you if you go to internet go to his youtube and check out these clips man these guys were spitting man but mdk who uh, um i can't remember the the acronym what that stands for but um, lines of a different kind minds of a different kind man like how did you how did you come up with that concept to like you know let me live finger drum and then have them spit their raps over your finger drumming man that's crazy yeah well i was making strictly finger drumming videos um before that point even um which this is like before i was even on instagram this is a long long time ago at this point but i started putting up the weekly finger drumming videos that I it's the it's essentially the same concept that I kind of grew big off of on Instagram. I was doing this on Facebook for a while before that. And uh, yeah, around the same time that I was doing this, I was getting into the hip hop rap scene or the Austin rap scene, mainly through going to um, going through Austin Mike Exchange, which was this uh, absolutely amazing open mic night at the time back when i was still in college uh rest in peace has been gone for many many years now but yeah there was this weekly tuesday night that was an austin sort of open mic night for rappers and it was a huge community producers came out rappers came out a lot of uh a lot of musical co collaborations and long friendships happened from there but anyways i'd be going to this event and be meeting rappers all the time and making new friends in the music scene and the hip-hop scene all the time so i was already making these live beats so i was thinking uh, why don't I bring some of these homies and have them freestyle over my over my finger drumming and just uh, take it a step up from there, you know, showcase it, uh, potentially kind of figure out who I might want to collab with. And uh, yeah, that's that's how that came about. That's what it's about, man. Like, listen, that is a prime example of what the B community can do, man. Like just connecting, networking, and then you find out, hey, I rap, you know, I like your beats. Like, hey, let's connect. And then you just, Absolutely. 
it's all experimentation, man. Like that's right. That man, incredible. Yo, you had some crazy. This is five, six years ago. Internet's by the way, man. If y'all go to his YouTube's, but man, you had <laughs> you had like freestyles from like Protector. Um, I think that's how you say it, Protector. Yeah, Protector. Uh, yeah, man. Yo, Protector. He, that guy. That guy, Protector, was one of the creators of Austin Mike Exchange, that event that I just mentioned, um, along with the former DJ of Hip Hop Hooray on uh, 91.7, the former DJ of that show, Miss Manners, and um, a third dude named Aaron, who is still involved with putting on electronic and beat shows here in Austin. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that was Protexter, aka P-Tech. Uh, and I also had the Minds of a Different Kind on there. Uh, we have Black Child. We had Chyclops. Uh, I don't remember if I did one with uh, with Breeze. I believe I did one with a Nick Cruz as well, and then a couple other homies. I did them with. Man, man, I, yo, if I if you bring that series back, man, that's gonna be. It's so many different people that's rapping right now. Like if you ever connect with, um, I say rather unique, but rather unique. But then also you got. Uh, Oh, who's my guy, man, Matt? Um, oh, how am I forgetting his name right now? That's, <laughs> that's, cra- that's crazy. Um, oh, man, I, it's going to come to me anyway. But okay, yeah, sure, so sure. let's 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 go back in history a little bit. Um, okay. When you were growing up, because everybody's got their, you know, their their story. Somebody in the house was playing music or when y'all were driving somebody was playing music who who were the people that were playing music and what type of music what that, that you grew up on that was like influencing you to this day man so this is kind of a complicated question because i feel like a lot of people they kind of grow up and are highly influenced by their parents music and what they play and whatnot which in a way i kind of was but almost in like the opposite uh so let me explain uh my both of my parents are um both of my parents are immigrants first of all my mom is from germany my dad is from the philippines um neither of them have a very very much of a background with american culture so unlike uh, i don't know unlike people who maybe grew up with an american uh background we didn't listen to a lot of like american music growing up uh, my parents were very, very much into classical music growing up. Every morning, especially on Sundays, just like ev- the the soundtrack to breakfast was like classical piano or like um, or like religious music, like Gregorian chanting or like choirs and stuff. Which I I never ever got into. To this to this day, I still cannot listen to that type of music. Um, so I guess I was influenced by that in the opposite direction. Um, I also, uh, took piano lessons growing up, which on a similar side to that coin, I was extremely resistant to because piano lessons for me was like, oh, I already worked for seven hours in school. Now I got to come home and spend 30 minutes of my precious free time practicing piano, these dusty old tunes that I don't even like. Like I was so resistant to learning piano, which looking back on it now, 
um, my keyboard skills and my finger drumming skills and all of that is a direct result of the piano lessons that I was forced to take. So that was something positive that came out from me, (laughs) not appreciating the music of my childhood. Uh, But really when I started to discover music for myself was uh, before I was even into hip hop, I was a big time metal head, bro. Oh my God. I loved heavy metal, like industrial stuff, like the really like, I like the really sinful stuff, bro. The the stuff that uh, parents were afraid of, like Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, that type of stuff. Um, those were also some of the first concerts that I ever went to. Literally my first live show that I ever attended was uh, I think like 2012 or something like that. I was in high school or not 2012. Uh, I don't know, maybe like 2005 or six or something like that. I think I was a sophomore in high school. My first ever live concert I went to was Rob Zombie, bro, in a big arena. That was the moment that I fell in love with live music. And I knew from then that I wanted to be like a performer. So that was really the moment that I was like, yo, music is in my blood and going out and seeing it live just does something different to me that listening to it alone i already love it but going out and seeing it live and feeling the bass and having it rattle my rib cage at these heavy metal shows that's what got me so into music in the first place so i wanted to be like a i wanted to i was in a punk and metal for a while towards the end of high school is when i first really started uh discovering hip-hop music through some friends of mine because i remember at that time mid 2000s um lil wayne was like everywhere it was all about lil wayne and like 50 cent i think it was like right a little bit a little bit around a little bit after like the crunk era so we had like lil john and lil wayne (laughs) like get low was getting played at all the school dances none of this stuff i personally related to um, so I was, I was pretty resistant to hip hop growing up, uh, until some homies of mine, you know, as, as you do, you meet some homies that just have like, that are music nerds and they just have like a gigantic hard drive full of just albums on albums on albums that they'll just give to you. That happened to me a few times in my, in my, uh, early adolescence, which formulated a lot of my music taste as an adult. One of those moments was my homie Jacob had a hard drive that had a bunch of like Tribe Called Quest and uh, Black Alicious and Asheru and Blue Black of the Unspoken Herd. Just a bunch of, um, I believe Talib Kweli and High Tech was on there too. A bunch of the like East Coast, New York, laid back, jazz inspired, boom bap. That was my first exposure to that type of style this homie in high school just gave me a hard drive full of that type of stuff and i especially tribe called quest i immediately loved that type of stuff i love the beats i love the laid back the jazz i was already an avid listener of jazz at that point uh like i was saying i've been taking piano lessons towards the end of my piano lesson taking career i finally got a teacher who was actually teaching me how to play jazz like for real so i kind of enjoyed piano because of jazz i'm still a huge jazz lover to this day but um yeah that was my true introduction to hip-hop music or at least my my first moment of like really falling in love with it was listening to like people's instri- people's instinctive travels uh in rhythm the low-end wow. theory um 
Golden Arrow, Black Alicious, uh, Jurassic Five, Power in Numbers, just those like classic boom bap East Coast joints. And uh, yeah, from that point on, I was already like tinkering around with making electronic music. I just got an Ableton version six around the same time as when I discovered Jay Dilla, and it was just like you know. It was a wrap from there, bro. I found out about <laughs> Fly Low. I found about Jay Dilla, and then it was cinched, bro. I was a hip hop head from then. Wow, wow, so much, so much influences, but it all started. Um, which was it? Was it your mom or was it your your dad that was like forcing you to take the piano lessons? Definitely, uh, my German mom was was more of the. You know, in some families, it's the it's the dad that's the tough one, and the mom that's like that you can come 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 to and like ask for stuff secretly behind the other way around. Uh, yeah, my my mom was the tough one in the family, so she was definitely the driving force behind piano lessons and uh, making us go to the symphony like a few times. Which, looking back on it now, it sounds like it sounds like super privileged to say like oh you have to go to the dallas symphony but bro that was, it was it was just so boring to me mm. but um yeah the the opposite end of that spectrum was that i started i was seeking out for music that was so not not that that i guess right. um, i came to metal i came to heavy metal and punk first because that was the that was the hardcore that was the loud stuff that was the stuff that uh scares parents and then uh, I discovered hip hop as well, and uh, just ran with it, you know. Wow, wow! So uh, I don't, so I don't know your mom and dad's names, but shout out to your mom and dad. Yeah, for, like <laughs> That's putting right. you on, man, forcing you, forcing that, but like also allowing you to like experiment and search out what you like, and then that is influencing what you're creating today, which is some of the most amazing. Um, you know, not it, it's not complex, but it's like to to my ears, I'm like, yo, how is he doing this? Like, it's that's that that's the type of music I hear when I'm uh, listening to your music, man. So shout yo, out to them, you. man. Thank you, man. I will say, I will say, uh, shout out Ruben and Maria. Those are their names, um, and they have they have always always supported my music. Never, never been against anything I've done with uh, as far as music and in life. So they, they've always been supportive. Yeah, shout out to Ruben and Maria, man. Big shout out to y'all. Yo, I'm gonna get the hand claps for that part too, yo. <laughs> but um, man, okay, so we got you growing up, going through that, um, figuring out that you know, classical piano. Um, didn't really want to take it, but it's influencing you to this day. Hard rock, heavy metal. But then also discovering um, some staples, some staples in hip hop, man. Um, Absolutely. I forgot to mention Wu-Tang. I found out about Wu-Tang around this exact same time. Wu-Tang's for the children, yo. Exactly. (laughs) Wu-Tang to me was like the heavy metal of hip hop. It was so, so hardcore. I'd never heard anything that like intense. Yo, I think that's the reason why... The world loves Wu-Tang, man, just because it's, it was so abrasive, but then it was still like the beats were dope, but then the rhymes compl- like, oh, man, like, yeah, man, aggressive man. and the best in the best way. Yeah, man. Yo. OK, so, man. So we got that going on. 
When did you know that you, like, what was that moment for you that you were like, yo, I mean, I want to create some music. I want to create beats. Was it at that concert um, that you went to or was it like later where you were like, you know what? I want to make beats no matter how it sounds. I'm going to just make beats. This is what I want to do with my life. Uh, man, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific moment. Maybe the first time that that Rob Zombie concert was the first time I did not. I didn't necessarily know, like, yo, I want to make music, but. I knew at that moment that, yo, I love live music. And um, yeah, I guess it was just over a over a slow period of time in my high school years. I was listening to a lot of electronic music at the time too, um, especially like The Prodigy and The Crystal Method, which both of those guys are very heavily hip hop influenced, especially if you listen to their drums, they're very like breakbeat heavy. Those were the type of groups that made me want to get Ableton Live, first of all, because I was already like a, I, I was in a, I was kind of a computer nerd at the time, more on the, more on the video game, like computer game side of things. But I was listening to this music that was also made just on computers and electronically. And that, 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 you know, gives you the freedom to be like, oh, I don't need a band to be able to do this. I don't need to like be able to get, get together with three other people once a week and everybody have their own instruments and have our own practice base and da, 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 da. This music that I love, I just need to get like a software program and I can start making it. So yeah, listening to like Aphex Twin, Crystal Method, Prodigy, uh in my teenage years that i would say was my um original impetus to get into wanting to get my first synthesizer wanting to get my first version of ableton which was ableton 6 and um yeah so like i like i mentioned when i discovered hip-hop music for myself i was already i was already making music so at that point every time i sort of discovered a new type of music that um that inspired me it's from the lens of like yo i can like make this for myself so um yeah i guess long story short you could say it was a process uh little steps at a time little influences at a time there wasn't right. like a specific point yeah that's and that's that's normal man because you know we all just searching and figure trying to figure it out and then once you yeah. figure it out you just like yo i'm gonna just start because uh, some people get stuck in research mode, but you didn't. So you just was like, yo, I can make this, free, get some software, Ableton 6. I think. Oh, don't get work. me wrong. It was a lot of research mode along the way. Don't get me yeah. wrong. <laughs> okay. So, but some people can be paralyzed. Like, what do you attribute you not being paralyzed uh, by the research mode? Uh, this for me was definitely something that just came with time because when I, when I was a kid, I even after I did like, you know, getting the software is like barely even step one. Learning it is barely even step one. You still have to get in there and actually be creative. So um, that was honestly just having the having the persistence and consistency to create um, on even even a daily basis sometimes it can be difficult for me to this day to be consistent like i have i have ebbs and flows with it and whatnot but um yeah it's it's just something that came 
it's just something that came over time and it uh it came kind of it at some points it came kind of slowly there were some times where i wasn't inspired for a while or I, i did have that either um overwhelming options paralysis as some people do when they're starting with ableton uh because there's just so many different ways to approach it um i had the uh i had that early beginner paralysis of like yo i can't make anything close to what i want to so what's the point um it was just a matter of like going through the trenches and making making the trash beats for years and years and years um what I will say, I think one of the first things that got me really serious about um, putting myself out there as a musician was when I started meeting a lot of other like-minded people. So this is when I moved in 2010, when I moved to Austin to go to UT. And like I mentioned, it's when I started going to this Austin Mic Exchange event and meeting artists all the time. It's when I met uh, two of my best friends to this day, some of my best collaborators that I've had in my life, my homies uh, Jay and Devin from Hermit Kingdom. In my early days with those boys when we were working as a trio, it was just endless creativity because at that point you're not just making music for yourself you're like making music for your friends with your friends it's more about hanging out than like doing the work you know it's about having fun and like getting a little messed up and going to parties and just like being being a kid and having something to bring to the table and like show the homies like yo check this out we just made this crazy shit y'all about to listen to it um so yeah i i would say the first to to Another long story short to what I just said, the first part of me sort of getting over the hump of um, just making stuff being consistent was just a matter of time, a matter of going through it, going through the bad beats, uh, going through the self-doubt and uh, just I wouldn't say making it out the other side because that's something that that's something that we deal with all the time. I don't think that ever goes away. But um, just learning, learning to learning to manage that. And then the second part of that was finding the community that gave me the uh, gave me gave me the validation to whenever I played a beat or made a beat that a homie immediately wanted to rap to. That just gives you like the validation and the uh, the dopamine release almost to want to do it again. Yeah, that's that's major, man. Finding your community, man. Um, yo, ever since I moved, we I moved from Japan to Texas, and then linked up with um, Flipper Beat Club Austin, and then like, yo, it's so many creatives, and then doing shows in Austin. Oh my gosh, man! Like y'all boys, yo, boys and girls, yo, because yeah, there's <laughs> everything there's, in between. Everything in between, man. There's so many amazing creatives out here, man. Like, yo, Austin, man. Like, I I gotta shout out Austin, man. Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Texas, man. Yo, oh man, we got something to say, man. Hey, Trust shout me, out, to, shout out all the Texas producers, bro. For real man so i am man okay that's a good story man because I, I like when people can actually like articulate um you know not just like making music but that part of the, the beginnings 
You know what I mean? The, the genesis yeah. of you creating, wanting to create the music, but then getting over some hurdles in order to get where you are. Because nobody just, you know, gets where they are right now to where you making slappers. You know what I mean? You got to go yeah, through the trash. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So um, when, when did your Casio, like the first Casio that you bought, like when did that come into play? Yo? Man, so I started... I bought my first ever, I don't remember if it was the SK one or the VL one, um, but I bought my first one way back before I was barely even making beats in high school, bro. I think I was like 15 or 16 years old. One of the only musical things that I've probably the longest musical object that I've that I've owned just throughout my entire life is the either the casio vl1 or the casio sk1 i can't remember which one came first but um yeah like like i had mentioned i was into electronic music in high school and i wanted to get into my first synthesizers and i was also a little bit of a computer nerd and for whatever reason these casio keyboards just like appealed to me there was this music video uh called da 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 this german band um i can't remember like the artist off the top of my head but it was this famous music video that was kind of like viral before viral and that was when the guy was uh playing the beat off of the casio vl1 and he had this tiny synthesizer in his uh in the music video that he just pulled out of his pocket and something just appealed to me so much that i just got on ebay and tried to find one i ended up buying one for something like 60 bucks or something like that and um i don't know i was just in love with just like how it looked and how dinky and how cheesy it was and how like unique it was as just an object to have so at that point i was like all right i'm i'm collecting these mugs now so at that point which, whichever one was first i ended up buying the second one and then they just kind of sat there for many 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 years i played with them a little bit as a in my early days of making beats but they were more of like a you know like a curio just more like a fun little thing to have on the side mm -hmm. um and then years later years after i got them I, I don't even i can't even begin to count how many years it was was when i just off the cuff decided to uh make some videos with them on instagram one of them blew up and uh that kind of started a whole nother journey <laughs> yeah yo man that with, like what you're doing with ig man with your your clips and reels and um you going through like the process man like um yo that's one of the things that i look at when i'm like looking for inspiration it's you it's jay field it's um it's low-key it's um oh who else is it it's uh um, oh, low-key is fire bro yeah man it's so many different creatives man um um that are like analog it's and it's analog creatives too man um and it's two more it's a female all she does is create with analog um oh man i don't know i figure it out but anyway all right um, for sure for sure yeah but, <laughs> but yeah man so the casio yo shout out to casio man because a lot of people had got their start with Casio products, man. No and I don't doubt. know if they did that no on doubt purpose about that. to make it to where it was just, you know, build quality, make it look appealing to kids. But then even as an adults, we're still going back to those Casios 
and they still are creating some dope music like what what you do with your with your id ig where did that come from to where you were like yo let me just use my ig create some beats use the you know i mean use my keyboards use the instruments around me and then boom an explosion happened for obama yeah yeah well uh as it is the thing the thing with social media for me is it's always a matter of trial and error to see what see what works see what doesn't um and at the at the early point in my social media career this was when i kind of made the decision of like all right i'm gonna go hard on instagram because this is how i'm going to build an audience and i just kind of like stuck with that idea early um, I had already been making those finger drumming videos and the the rapper videos that we touched on earlier. Um, and I already decided to bring those weekly finger drumming joints to Instagram. Um, and I wanted to add another thing to it. Um, so I decided to do synth Sundays. Now, the reasoning behind the synth Sundays is I was uh, doing a little bit of research on marketing at the time, which is... Uh, a skill that I I think all producers in the in the current world that are trying to make some sort of career need to at least have some knowledge of is marketing. But anyway, I was uh, doing this like online little uh, basic marketing course, and they were talking about how uh, if you're able to relate your product or your thing or whatever to something that your audience already has a mental connection to then that's going to stick in their mind so much stronger so the example in this marketing course was who well, I, I don't know if it was taco bell but whichever taco company came up with taco tuesdays mm. um, they were talking about how that's one of the greatest marketing concepts because it links the product tacos with a day of the week tuesday which is something just the day the word tuesday you think about that at least once a week cuz it's tuesday once a week you know what i mean so i had that i had the genius idea of like all right so uh my finger drumming videos are going to be on wednesdays that's hump days i'm going to change that to bump days hashtag #bump day and then i already have this collection of little keyboards uh, that people don't see a lot. Let me showcase those and call that synth Sundays hashtag marketing genius. So <laughs> I just uh, came up with that formula and I started just like doing it just for fun, just to see what would happen. Um, and yeah, it was one of my synth Sundays videos that really blew up first and got like something like a few thousand likes back when my follower count was like i don't know under 2000 or something which absolutely blew my mind um and yeah after that i was like all right this works big check let's just go ahead and do this every sunday for the foreseeable future from now on and uh yeah i did that i stuck with it for a few years and i built uh, i built an audience off it man yo that is incredible yo like I've I've seen I've seen you like man okay let me take let me take a step back because you said something yeah. very very critical you said uh marketing right and then you said your social social media career right I didn't think about social media being a career but maybe that's how we need to think about it is not just posting regular stuff like especially if you're trying to be you know an artist or a musician or anything like that and you're trying to get your 
your intellectual property out to the masses. Yes. Maybe that's how we need to think about it. Wow. I never thought about that. Really. Yeah. I Well, when it comes to social media, I would say I don't consider social media to be my career. It's part of my music career, but it's something it's more of like a, a commitment you know what I mean? It's like, because uh, when it, these days when it comes to um, making a career out of music, um, on one end, the barrier to entry is super low because it's free to download Instagram, it's free to download TikTok. But um, the barrier to getting noticed now is really, really high. So um, another, another saying that I go by is, um, to to be in the one percent of uh, to, to be in the one percent of success, you have to be willing to do what ninety nine percent of people are not willing to do. And one thing that I that I've learned is one of those things is to be consistent at putting something out. And when it comes to social media, it's like that's something that um, I pride myself that I've been able to more or less do for the past several years is to consistently have my presence out there because it is. It is difficult and it's something that I had to make a conscious commitment, a time and energy commitment to do. But uh, m pretty much all of my big opportunities for music have come from that. So um, it was it was definitely worthwhile, even though it's it's uh, it's difficult at times and it still is difficult. Wow. But like so I said, it's commitment, you know, commitment, consistency, man. Yo, you dropping crazy jewels right now, my guy. Yo, oh, thank yo. you. Thank you. <laughs> listen oh my gosh okay consistency commitment yo get oh man okay let me let me ask you this yeah. what did you read what did you like besides the marketing course that you took um what what books what audio books what videos what like what has helped you uh the most get get out get the most out of where you are right now like what has what, which one of those videos, books, um, uh, documentaries, anything like that? What has helped you get to this point? Yeah. Okay. So when it came to like kickstarting me getting into this mindset of like, all right, I'm committing myself to creating on social media. It was the book Crushing It by Gary V, bro. Reading that book like flipped a switch in my mind way back in like 2016 2017 or something that was when i started writing down goals that was when i started like coming up with these concepts of like all right i need to uh what do i need to study to improve myself let me uh, get on this let me get on this marketing uh course online um what are some concrete goals what are some things that i can how can i brand myself how can I extend how I how can I ex extend my authentic personality into my branding without it being forced? How can I da 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 da? Um, Crushing it by Gary Vee was kind of like the start of that, and then um, from then on, a lot of it was a matter of just like observing what other successful people in um, in production were doing online at the time. Um, big shout out to stolen drums by the way i definitely copied a lot from his <laughs> from his formula of his early success on success uh on social media um so yeah gary v is a big one i'm still a huge fan of gary v um i i just really enjoyed his his content just like makes me feel good and it makes me feel motivated so shouts out to him 
and then um yeah other than that it's just like observing other people who have um who i would say are in a point in their career that i hope to achieve myself at some point so people like stolen drums people like uh little bad snacks who is also like a really great uh producer and educator on on youtube and social media and and so on um yeah so gary v and then other producers yeah gary v man i just remember like same thing like crushing it i haven't read that book but I used to watch all of his videos when he come out because it was just it was so simple how he put it. It was just like, yo, just stay consistent. Be hard. Don't give a fuck about what nobody else is talking about. Yo, yeah. Stay committed to your vision man, and then build a winning team. Like that's the things I took away from Gary Vee and I still use to this day is the team stay consistent. Fuck everything else. You're going to have to sacrifice. Like he always talk about, yeah. yo, he ain't have no oh, yeah. weekends, no weekends. You know what I mean? Like the only weekends was to watch the Jets. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I just remember yep. everything, everything he was talking about, man. Shout, yo, shout out to Stolen Drums, man. Um, uh, Sidechain Society, man. They're doing some amazing things over at Sidechain Society. And then uh, and Gary V, man. Yo, and speaking of that, when you in 2015, I think you came out with this album um, in 2015, which is Flobama Volume One, man, which is an amazing ah, joint. Oh, it's, volume it's a, One, yeah, man. Like I had to take it back, yo. That's it. That's an amazing album as well, man. What, so, if internet's go to Flobama's uh, Bandcamp, man. I'm gonna link everything in the description of the show, so you ain't gotta go go too far, man. But Listen, if you haven't listened to anything that Phil Obama has put out, do yourself a favor. Go to his band camp, go to Apple Music, go to Spotify, follow him, man. Like, go to his IG. Yo, man, he's doing some amazing things. But let's talk about volume one, Phil Obama volume one, man. Like, okay, what, what was what was the what was where did that come from? Like, what made you put out Phil Obama volume one? So that was really a beat tape, honestly. I wasn't thinking of it as like an album or a project, but that was that was the first time where I was like, all right, I got I got a grip of beats. Let me put them out and let me see if I can shop them out to some rappers around town, which uh, it's been so long, bro. I don't even I'm not even sure if any of those tracks off of volume one <laughs> ended up having people rap on them. I'd have to like go back and listen, listen to the beats and like try to remind myself but yeah it was essentially just i had just recently come up with the name flobama um i was kind of finally establishing my identity as like a solo hip-hop producer because i was already working with hermit kingdom at the time working as young master wakizashi which was like a slightly different vibe from flobama uh giving a little bit less of a fuck a little bit more of the like the the on the wu-tang clan side of things but like a slightly unhinged underground like weirdo version of it um but flobama was like my like all right this is me staking my claim this is this is me like sort of establishing what i am starting to sound like as a producer and volume one was just like essentially like my first beat tape you know it was the first batch of beats i wasn't necessarily trying to um I don't know if I was trying to make like an album per se. I was just trying to have like a collection of like, all right, these are some joints that I'm proud of that like maybe people want to rap on. 
Nice. Yeah, then and then you transition and go to um strong style slaps. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> that album, man, I was like, yo. So that that album, those two first two albums, and then AGB Beats, um, the beat tapes, those were the ones I was like, yo, I gotta get his discography, man. So I got your whole discography. Well, hey, thank I, you, brother. As of like when you came out with HEB Beats, everything you had, I was like, yo, let me get everything this guy got because I got to have it in my my music collection. Because, you know, when I get older, my grandkids going to be like, yo, what was, you, what was you listening to back then? I'm be like, yo, let me go to my band camp. You know what I mean? And show you this is <laughs> what I was listening to. Let's go. You know what I mean? But, yo, Strong Style Slaps, man. Where did that name come from? And then what was that album about? Uh, so the album Strong Style Slaps, that was definitely more of like an effort to have like some sort of like a, a consistency in the sound and like the concept of it. So um, I, at, at this point in time in my life, I was a huge fan of wrestling. Um, and uh, I, I particularly enjoyed watching Japanese wrestling at the time. And Strong Style is a term in Japanese wrestling that refers to... Um, wrestlers that actually smack each other like real hard like in american wrestling wwe that uh, aew type of thing there's a there's a certain sect of um there's a certain uh, there's a certain approach on some some people that i guess i don't know how it is anymore but um in general uh professionalism in wrestling is to be able to do a match and like not hurt the other person at all but make it look real da, 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 da. Japanese strong style wrestling is like an old school hardcore thing of like yeah we're actually smacking the shit out of each other um, so that's where the title came from also the, the album cover is kind of like me doing a tracing of one of the most famous Japanese strong style wrestlers Kenta Kobashi smacking the shit out of another wrestler in the in the corner of the ring um so that album in particular was highly influenced by just the sounds of japan in general um i actually grew up uh growing up i spent a couple years in japan uh with my family when i was a really young kid from like i want to say kindergarten to first grade i was in uh japan because my dad worked there for a couple years um so i had some childhood memory with japan like i have that in my like nostalgia banks of my brain so the strong style slaps album was like partly a callback to that and also just in general it was like uh a tribute to Japanese jazz, Japanese musicians, and then of course uh Japanese wrestling. Nice man. Listen, yo, when I I was listening to that again, because I was in Japan too. So I don't know what part of Japan you were in. Um, but we were in the Tokyo section uh we were in uh we lived in Kyoto from 1998 to 2000. Kyoto, man, yeah, we were in Fush uh Fushishi, so it's like a prefecture of uh of Tokyo, man. So it was they call it the country of um of Tokyo, but yeah, okay. we was far out. It was like maybe three hours away from uh Shibuya, Shinjuku, you know, all that type of stuff. But very nice. Man, so I was like, yo, man, this guy, he's definitely in J- been to Japan just from the uh the album cover as well. Um, because I was looking at some of the wrestling too. I was like, yo, they really going hard with this um the wrestling too. And then I come up on H E B beats. And I was like, yo, I've been to Texas before. 
I know anybody that's a Texan loves H-E-B, man. Oh, yeah, then, buddy. And then you go with people's reactions to, you know what I mean, the clips from people just loving H-E-B because H-E-B is an experience, man. It this really tape, is, dude. It really is. And this beat tape is the same thing, man. So how did you even come up with this concept for H-E-B beats, man? So the title came up as uh, kind of like a joke. Um, so me and uh, Boom Baptist go to the same H-E-B and we run into each other there a couple of times. Um, and after the second time we bumped into each other, I, I DM'd him later like as a joke being like, yo, we should make a collab album and call it H-E Beats. But that name H-E Beats just kind of stuck in my head already. Uh, even before that, there was a, a Corduroy show. He's another amazing uh, electronic producer here in Austin. Uh, I, it might have been like an exploded drawing or some sort of beat showcase that my homie Corduroy played at. And in between tracks, he was just like, hello, welcome to H-E-B. Just like on stage, which made me laugh so much. But at the same time, it's like, yo, like shout out H-E-B like that. That's actually for real representing as fuck. So uh, I kind of got the idea in my head that like, yo, H-E-B is like, I kind of ride for H-E-B, bro. Honestly, like I'm so down to name an entire project after H-E-B because I mean, I go there every week. I, I buy all my food from there every week. I cook up in the kitchen with groceries from H-E-B. Like I cook up with uh, with my beats at home from samples and whatnot. So uh, let's just uh, put two and two together and make a, make a project that uh, represents one of my great loves in Austin, Texas, and that is the grocery store, H-E-B. Yo, man. Yeah. <laughs> if y'all, listen, internet, if y'all haven't listened to H-E-B, H-E-Beats, do yourself a favor, man. I'm going to link his whole description in the show. So, yo, just do yourself a favor, man, and support this joint. I got the cassette, um, which I got to get you to sign, man. I got Next time I see you, yo, I got to get your autograph. Oh, joint, yeah, man. for sure, for sure. I'd be um, happy. That, yeah, that one and then uh, warp mode. I got I got both of those because uh, I think that was a cassette too, right? Um, yes, it was. It sure yeah. was. So I got both of those, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get you autograph go. on those, man. Um, and then you just came out with um, what did you just come out with? Um, that's the single that you just came out with, actually. Um, oh, you you mean the one that I just dropped? Uh, you just this week? dropped it. Yeah, you just dropped this joint. Um, that um, one was, that one's called Happy Accidents. Yeah, there you go. There you go. What so can we talk about that 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 joint right there real quick? Is that leading up to a new beat tape, a new album? What's what's happening with this one? So yeah, uh, so these new these new releases that I'm coming out with on Spotify, um, for one, I have to shout out my team that is the Mind Feeders. They're these homies from Berlin that are my, um, they're my management, they're my team, and they are helping me with, uh, helping me with things like Spotify and um, all, other, all other kind of things in the background. Um, they're the reasons that I got uh, crazy streams last year. Um, it was, it was one of those situations where like, I had built up my audience on Instagram and they reached out to me and DM me like, yo, maybe we can work together. Um, and after after quite a long while of like Dude. negotiation and figuring each other out and, uh, you know, cause you gotta have your guard up in the internet days. Um, we went through, we went through the long process of getting to know each other, contract negotiations, everything super official. So in case anybody didn't know, I am with Mind Feeders. That is my management, that is my team based in Berlin. They also they also manage they also manage Odyssey, which was really the main reason I was like, all right, these guys are legit. 
So uh, all that in the background. Um, so this is a the latest in a series of singles that I have been releasing with Mind Feeders on uh, on Spotify. And for now, these in particular, they're really just singles. I say Spotify, but it's on uh, all streaming everything um apple music is surprisingly also like a really good source of streams for me because they have a bigger audience in europe that's a whole other thing um but yeah so i have a series of singles that i've dropped with them just on streaming just to have like a kind of steady flow of things happening um but that is building into something so um, I can't really, I don't want to go into details right now, but I do have a collab album with, uh, someone that I'm really, really excited to work with. That's going to be coming out next year. I can't really talk about, um, who I can't really talk about the details yet, but it's, it's going to be a big collab album with, uh, with a bigger artist. And I will give you, I will give you one hint as to who the artist is that I have this album that I'm working on with. It is one of the artists that has a Fat Beats Baker's Dozen. If you know about those, um, that uh, vinyl series that Fat Beats did, they reached out to a bunch of different producers and have them had them put out like a 12 beat, uh, 12, 12 joint beat tape. I am producing with one of the dudes uh, that has one of those. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's someone from Germany and it's someone that I'm really excited to work with. So yes, I do have a big album coming out next year. Um, other than that, I have uh, I have a couple of pretty... Another thing I'm going to be a little bit coy about, but I have a single in the tuck that is also with a really well-known uh, beat producer Again, I'm not going to say who it is, but I have played it out at a couple live shows. So some of y'all that have been at some of my recent live shows might know who it is that I'm working with. I'm not going to say too much more on here, but um, yeah, it's safe to say things are brewing behind the scenes at the Flow Bomber camp. Yeah, man. So y'all tap into Flow Bomber, everything he's doing. Stay tuned to his Instagram and pay attention to his link tree, man. Um, listen, um, last two questions. Yeah, for sure. When, um, if there's, there's one thing that, uh, that you could say to up and coming, you know, beat makers, music producers, composers, um, about why you create music, what would you say? Do it. Cause you have to do it, bro. Do it. Cause you have no choice. Cause it like soothes your soul or cause you have the like fire inside of you, you know, don't do it for money. Don't do it for clout. Cause you will fail. If that's your motivation, dude, you got to do it. Cause it's what my, you know what my motivation is. I want to create the stuff that I want to hear. That's like, at the end of the day, I want to make music that doesn't exist, but that I need to exist. So if you're doing it out of, uh, and another way of saying that is to just do it out of love, do it out of love for the craft, do it out of like being a nerd for music, whatever it is, just do it because you feel like you need to and do it because you feel like it is inside of you. Mm. Yo, man, that's a ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. listen man, yo, listen, you've done some um, amazing beat sets at, uh, that I've been a part of, man. Backyard sessions put on by FABC Austin, man. Pressing matters, yep, yep, yep. rather unique. Um, and uh, yo, and uh, the cars that you've been a part of that I've been able to see. Um, 
and quickly, like how, why, why finger drumming um, live? Like why, why do that? You know? uh, so when it comes to like watching beat performances live, um, I found that a lot of them are pretty visually boring. Just watching somebody there like pressing buttons and looking like they're checking their email. <laughs> so uh, my whole thing was, look, I want, I want whoever's watching me to have a direct visual link of what this finger is doing and the sound that's coming out of it. You know, like watching somebody play like drums live or guitar live. You see them play the chord and you see you hear the sound come out at the same time. You see them shred the solo and you see their fingers move. And there's that like there's that visual element to it. And it also tickles the part of your brain that's like, oh, I get that satisfaction of like, oh, this this movement is leading to this sound and it makes sense and it's like fun to see like what's going to happen next so part of the reason why finger drum live is that i just want uh i just want the audience to be able to have that experience of actually having it feel like a performance and not necessarily just like you know pressing play or like i look like i'm checking my email back there like i want people to actually feel like i'm playing an instrument up there which can be really difficult for um electronic music um, a lot of the times you'll see a performance where it's like, I don't know, synthesizers or modulars or like really esoteric and like cool looking gear. But if the guy's just up there, like kind of twiddling knobs, at least for me, a lot of the times it just like doesn't necessarily connect all the way. Like sometimes for performances like that, you almost have to be another producer or another like sort of tech nerd to understand what's going on to really have that connection to it i want to remove that barrier and just have anybody from any background be able to understand what's going on and enjoy the beat set got you i got you can you shout out your uh your school where you teach at man i got it you know what i mean like that's a big deal for a teacher you know uh, I mean? thank you. You got to shout there. Like, I know the kids. You'd be like, "Yo, kids, I've been on a podcast. Check me out." Yeah, oh, bro, I do not. I do not tell the kids. I do not tell the kids. I don't want them on my social media. <laughs> I got you. I got you, man. So, okay, last question, man. And first of all, I want to say thank you again for being on the show. Hey, thank um, you for thank you me. for your thank you for your time. My pleasure. The rest of twenty twenty. Well, 2023 is coming to a close, right? So 2024 is going to be wide open. Um, Besides what you told us a little bit of, like, where can people find you? What are your socials? Um, Why should they tap into Flobama and what you're doing? Uh, So first of all, Flobama91 on everything. Uh, F-L-O-B-A-M-A-9-1. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Um, All of that is Flobama91. Um, and, uh, people, people should tap into me if they feel the, if they enjoy the music, you know, if you, if you enjoy a good sample flip, if you're into some, uh, laid back vibes, if you're into lo-fi music, if you want to just have some cool background music to, uh, study and chill to, or if you want to, uh, if you're somebody who is a producer that wants to learn a little bit about, I don't know, finger drumming or, um, using Ableton or using an SP404 or anything like that, that would be another good reason to follow me. I have some, I'm always working on new, 
beat videos, new beat Ableton cookup content, MPC content. Uh, I actually have a collab with the company Ableton that I'm working on. Uh, that's going to be coming out sometime next year. I got a little thing in the works with Red Bull as well. That's like a smaller little just like fun video, but y'all can keep y'all's eye out for that. And uh, yeah, just if you feel the vibes, uh, feel free to uh, holler at your boy. Yo, man, that's ch- yo. Listen, Flow Bomb has been featured on the Austin Chronicle too, man. I'm gonna link that article as well. I can, uh, I think that was like 2021 when you came out with that. But man, know. I was so that's one of my career highlights for sure. I was so proud of that moment. Yeah, man. So I gotta, I'm gonna link that in the description of the show so everybody can read that. But yo, Flow Bomber. I want to say thank you, man. Keep doing your thing. I'm paying attention and supporting you, man. And, thank you, um, brother. There's, you're going to definitely have some new fans from around the world that's going to tap into you, man. Y'all going to enjoy Flo Bama, man. And if you enjoy his music, man, send him a message, man. Shout it, yo. Send him a message saying you enjoy it, what you enjoy about it. Because I'm pretty sure feedback is another piece of the social media you know what I mean? This whole landscape, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. important, man. So thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you, man. Any last words you want to give to the internet? Uh, y'all stay breezy, bros. Be some dope <laughs> pillars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs>
I was working produce at H-E-B Plus, just minding my pears and kumquats when she walked in. I need you to make something disappear. Thank you. 
the white lights are humans. And these are the mutants. They tell like younger kids or other producers like that's cheating. You can't really be separate for bro. Like when it comes to this producing shit, you can do whatever you want. You've been listening to the Rec Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a comment. Remember three things: believe in your music, take care of your mentals, become the best version of yourself. Until the next one, Golden Mind signing off. Peace and love, yo. Be the best, you got to work overtime. To be the best, you got to work overtime. These young boys getting better. This is not like the NBA when you can retire. Like this is, you have to keep going.